Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 135 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Firstly, a quick announcement. I get a lot of people contacting me asking how they can work with me. So this is a little plug to let you know that I offer a range of services to vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs. From online training and group coaching to PR, content creation and copywriting services and one-on-one tailored individual private consultations. So if you're wanting help to promote or grow your vegan business, brand, product, service, book or other creative project, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com and click on the Work With Me menu link for more details. Now for the main part of the show. In this episode, I interview Melissa Murphy-Webster from AVS Organic Foods Vegan Cheese Company in Melbourne, Australia. The company, which was originally called A Vegan Smiles, was the first to produce non-dairy cheese in block form in Australia, which Melissa distributed via markets and retail stores. Melissa has a strong business background, including holding an MBA, which she completed in 2017. Prior to starting her own business in 2013, she worked for 17 years with the Chemist Warehouse Group and its subsidiaries in several roles, finishing up as Head of Security and Fraud Operations Manager. She's recently built and opened a production facility in Epping in the state of Victoria to expand AVS Organic Foods while simultaneously partnering with vegan meat company Unreal Co. to start a new business called Ethical Manufacturing, which will contract manufacture vegan products for existing and new plant-based businesses. In this episode, Melissa discusses how she went from selling artisanal vegan cheeses at markets to being sold almost immediately nationwide in stores, a little-known strategy to get your products on shelves that doesn't involve you cold-calling retailers, why she decided to shift from working directly with retailers to working with a distributor, the problems and resistance from local councils that forced her to move premises four times, why she decided to open her own production facility, the benefits of contract manufacturing other vegan businesses' products, and much more. Here's the interview with Melissa Murphy-Webster from AVS Organic Foods. Hello, Melissa. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Katrina. Thanks for having me. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And just for our regular listeners who are tuning in from across the globe, Melissa and I know each other. She's based in Australia, although in a different state to me. She's based in Melbourne and I'm in Sydney. But I have had the pleasure of uh, tasting her cheeses. And I'm very excited because she's now got a a cheese manufacturing plant that she's opened. And we're going to talk about that in a a bit. So very pleased to have you on the show, uh, Melissa. And tell us about the why, first of all. That's what I like to kick off with every guest. Why do you do what you do and why cheese? Well, 
the why, why do I keep doing it or why did I do it? Why did you start it to begin with? So tell us a a little bit about your career trajectory and and how you came to open a vegan cheese business. Yeah, yeah. So the short story that I tell everyone is I really loved and enjoyed the tradition and the social of having a cheese and wine platter. And six years ago when I went vegan, there was – there's only a few international um, options and they they really weren't that great. So I started playing around and here we are. The long story though was I used to be in retail risk mitigation. So I've had a few different careers through my um, span but I finished up in, um, in a retail business um, looking after their security and fraud and um, I was just a bit starting to, you know, when you just get lacklustre. And one of my colleagues was doing the MBA and and he and I used to talk about the assignments that he was doing and I just just thought it was fascinating and and brilliant. And um, he he coaxed me to start doing my MBA, which really frightened me because I've I've got a year eight pass. So I've never actually done any real assignments. I've never done any or sat any exams and I was really nervous but he was so uh, helpful in saying look I'll be here to support you so I started that and as I started my MBA I also went vegan and the things that (laughs) two big things in 2013 and the funny thing about veganism um, if you're not already vegan and you go vegan for ethical reasons all the unethical behaviour around you really starts to get highlighted. And whilst doing my MBA, I realised that I could control this much more if I thought about taking this information and all the things that I learned from my years with different businesses and try and make a business myself. So I took my long service and started a Vegan Smiles, which is what it was called that day. Um, much to my friend's insistence, uh, a diff- different friend saying, you can't start a vegan business, there are no vegans, you will lose money, you will go out of business. <laughs> so you should at least have vegetarian options. And um, stubbornly I said no. <laughs> and moving back, you know, moving forward six years, here I am still making vegan products never made a vegetarian product in all the time that I've been running this business and it turns out that people do want vegan options. So. Oh, amazing. I hope you invited that friend to your opening of your cheese factory recently. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, 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 I did actually. Um, we're still very close. We're very good friends. Oh, <laughs> they're, good. Actually, they're actually vegan themselves now. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Oh, there you go. It just shows you just don't know, do you? So that's wonderful. I love that. I didn't know that about you. So that's uh, that's a really nice, um, yeah, really nice story. I enjoyed hearing that. Um, So let's go back to the beginning. Tell us about what were some of your key challenges when you first started out with the business? Okay. uh, Six years ago. Now, I know that you've been vegan for a much, much, much longer time. 22 Um, years. So I well, yeah, well, so I really can't imagine him trying to start this 22 years ago because people were just, they just opposed it. They were definite rebel, uh, you know, they did not want to be part of it. I had issues with cancels. Um, 
one in particular that were just so determined to make it difficult for me to start the business that I actually had to move vicinities. Wow. Um, and I've actually moved four times now. I've been in four different cancels and um, for wow. the most part they're okay. One was horrible and um, I, I do believe that that has actually impacted the growth of my business. Gosh. And um, where I am now. In, so when you say they were feedback, making it difficult for you, what do you mean in terms of getting like your zoning and your permissions and all that kind of thing? Yeah, so they were putting in obstacles in place. So I'm, I'm still six years later considered a micro business. And so they were making insisting that um, even though I, my water usage was just still very low, um, that I needed to put in a $60,000 um, litre water unit wow. or I had to um, do extra food handling training, which no other business has done that I'm aware of. Um, they've made me pay different fees and they've just been, they were just all about that if you don't do this, then we're going to fine you and seize all your stock. They were just very nasty people. Wow. It's just not a good cancel. Where I am now, and um, which is Whittlesea and one other council, Jerobin, amazing, amazing. They actually were very um, involved in opening up this factory and helping me get the papers that I needed and the planning permits and whatnot. Um, if anyone's starting a new business, I would strongly recommend that they see if they cancel or they want to start their business has an economic development department it's really important mm -hmm. and their job is to help small businesses or any businesses um, open up higher uh, trample through all the permits and planning obstacles in place because they're the people that know that small businesses create jobs which help with infrastructure Exactly. So exactly. that so was cancelled. So they obviously weren't doing that at the beginning of yours, though. <laughs> no, no, they were. And, yeah. I, and I do believe it was purely based on that it was vegan cheese. They really right. had an issue with that because yeah. um, you don't know what connections across. people might have, like their family might be yeah. in the industry and what have you, and the very idea oh, of yeah. vegan cheese. So, how did you yeah. overcome that? So, you had these challenges, you were starting out your business. How did you overcome those challenges? So in, in particular, that one, I, to the, in the end, I had no op, op, option other than to move. I had to move. And so I, I changed cancels and I went out to Darabin and they were great. And in looking for this uh, facility, I was actually approached by two other cancels as well as Darabin to win me over, to, to come over. So it was, I just had to, in some cases, I think you've got to realise you can't fight it. You've got to move on. Yeah. And I think I probably put a little bit too much time into trying to fight it and I and I should have moved on. And I think that's a, a big learning curve that I... Oh, no, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. What other challenges and, um, when you first started out? Oh, people. Oh, my gosh. Trainers. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the... So um, to get out in the marketplace, uh, I did lots of farmer's markets. Every week I would do uh, three three farmers markets or three types of markets and just to get the product out there and to talk to people and get feedback on the products as well. And uh, as you can imagine, there's some really, really mean people um, out there and uh, some people, it wasn't just men, it wasn't just women, would literally 
walk up to me with no object, uh, no intention of buying or asking me any questions, but accuse me of not supporting farmers wow. or tell me that I was doing it wrong or say that I was breaching ACCC guidelines by calling it cheese and um, oh. others would come up and tell me that they couldn't be vegan because they like to shoot rabbits. Oh but my, my personal favourite of all time was some woman just came up to me and said, I cannot go vegan because my canine teeth tingle. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would have been hard not to burst out laughing. Oh, my oh, goodness. Was, I was just, I was shocked. But, um, every, you know, three markets a week and in week in, week out, week in, week out. And um, you've got to develop a thick skin. And, I was about um, to say, yeah, you've got to have that resilience, haven't you? That was the number one quality when I was doing my book that I asked people what kind of, you know, what personal quality do you think you need most to survive running a vegan business? And I don't know, it may be true in other businesses as well. Obviously, this was around vegan business and they said resilience. You, you can't take it personally. Stubbornness. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. What about now, then, Melissa? So six years later, you know, you've grown the business and we're going to talk a little bit about the, the growth of the business. But what are your current challenges and how are you handling those? At the moment, it's it's growth and um, still and trying to stay current. So there are a lot of um, new entries into the market, which is fantastic and wonderful because when Australian producers make using Australian products, there's less likely to be preservatives or, or yucky ingredients. So we have some of the most amazing non-dairy cheesemakers mm. um, currently evolving at the moment. And um, obviously I've got to stay ahead of the pack or at least in the front line of the pack and um, create and be innovative and make sure that my products are still uh, of quality um, and the pricing works out. So we don't want to, we don't want to scare non-vegans away or, or also make it too difficult for vegans to buy a product based because of the price. Yeah. And um, in doing that, you've got to work on your, your, your returns and, and manage growth. And growth is where you get, as you know, growth is where you can make more product, which means that you can bring the costs down somewhat because of your buying power. And, and it's just this crazy leapfrog process where you go, okay, I've got a head and now I need a new machine or I've got a head uh-huh. but I need to buy this amount of product. So it's just it's managing um, the growth and and um, ensuring that we don't go down the bunny hole and just waste money unnecessarily in the in trying to be competitive in the wrong way. If that right. makes any sense. Got it. Got like trying to be the cheapest vegan cheese in town. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Like, yeah. You want to be. You want to be quality in regards to an artisanal brand is definitely key. Yeah. Price comes at maybe second, even third in along that. But also we're looking at contract manufacturing, which we'll probably talk about in a bit, in which yeah. has probably price might be the factor. So yeah, yeah. it's just trying to manage manage that. 
Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the growth because you've gone, as you say, from a, a small uh, artisanal cheesemaker to now being, you're sold in, you know, quite a lot of um, stores, retailers nationwide, uh, and you've, you've opened the, the cheese factories. Tell us a little bit about that happen, uh, how that happened, about how that growth, how you went from, say, doing those farmers markets to being sold in stores, because that's, you know, quite a leap. And I think it would be helpful to share how you went about that. How did you know you were ready to get into retailers? What did you do to get into them? Did you use it to distributor did you cold call the retailers tell us a little yeah. bit about how you cold, how you did that cold calling is such a horrible thing <laughs> that, it, that it has to be done um so six years ago most retailers didn't want anything to do with vegan cheese especially back then we it was very difficult to get um cheeses or the way that i was um producing them at the time i was finding it quite difficult to get more than like three weeks shelf date on it which is not something that a retailer wants to put risk on. So if you can't get the retailer to put risk on it, then you then you definitely can't get a distributor, wholesaler, to put risk on a three-week-old product. So mm. it meant having to be really a bit more smarter about packaging, about what, what ingredients were used, temperature controls and that sort of thing. Um, so the markets were great because I got feedback immediately from people and I was able to um, work with that data in regards to getting into the stores I tried to do that pretty much straight away and cold calling yeah is a horrible horrible job well, while um, you when you say straight away do you mean while you were doing the markets or how soon after yeah, you did the market yeah pretty no much. immediately oh, oh wow I okay. realized yeah I realized that I, if I wanted to be serious about it, I needed to be serious about getting into the retail stores mm-hmm. as well because that also helps you work out whether that facet of your business will, will uh, have sustenance. Mm. And um, so I was just calling people, calling stores, health food stores, ones that I definitely knew were vegan friendly. So we started off them and we got some great support from businesses like the, some of the Goviters and the little independent stores. I mean, I'm not sure whether you would have heard of it in New South Wales, but we've got a, a couple of IGAs here that are oh, yeah, very, very yeah. aware of, you know, the impact of caging chickens and so they do not have caged eggs and right. they were like the first illustrator to do that sort of thing. So initially I seeked out those type of people or those type of businesses, sorry, yeah, um, and just begged my customers, begged them to <laughs> ask their favourite stores to get it in. So I'm not too sure. Customers don't realise that when they ask for it, the, the retailer sees, okay, there's a demand, whereas when someone cold calls, it's a risk. Mm. It's so, interesting. It's funny you say that. It came up in the panel I hosted recently, uh, just, well, two nights ago, actually, um, here in Sydney, and we had someone who um, has, um, like, dips and other, like, vegan products, and that was one of the things, because I said, oh, can you get it into, like, my local store, because it's handy for me, or, you know, the place where I get my, you know, fruit yeah. and veg delivered, and, and they were kind of like, look, you know, we do call, and, you know, sometimes it can be hard for us to get through to, but I said, well, I said, well, I'll mention it, and she said, oh, should please do, because yes. they do listen to customers, so that's a good point that you've raised there yeah yeah I imagine that's great no but look I'm curious though when you said because you're doing like doing markets is one thing because you kind of you know you can approximate how much cheese maybe you're going to sell whatever but then when you've suddenly now got a supply retailers who like you said are taking a risk they're giving you shelf space how did you manage that kind of 
growth in terms of producing the products. I think that's where a lot of people can get unstuck, you know, when they're going from, say, a home-based kitchen to then suddenly you've got all these orders, you know, and people are actually right. buying the product in all these different places. Can you talk a little bit about how you managed that, the actual production of well, it to meet the demand? Yeah, well, initially it was slow. And, and when they did take it, they only took small amounts, so threes and, you know, Obviously, today people take like twelves and twenty fours, but back then it was three. So it wasn't a, it was possible to adjust as we went and went along. And then obviously I needed to get some help in to produce the product to meet the demands that were starting to arise, which was great. Um, then as you work through it, you do realize there is a point, and I, I did this full time, so I wasn't. I never had a secondary job in the last. Right. I have not had a secondary job in the last six years. This has been all encompassing. So if I was in in the kitchen at eleven o'clock at night, I was in the kitchen at eleven o'clock at night, and so be it. And if I had to work through, I worked through, and I know that that's probably not entirely healthy and not the objective that people want when they go want to be self-employed and start their own businesses but there's sacrifices that you have to make yes and at some point you've got yeah. to determine whether the cost of employing someone or, or increasing will work out in proportion to the amount of product that you're making and getting paid and assuming that your customers pay you within a reasonable time as well mm. which is another interesting thing about retailing is that you don't always get your money fast or yes. <laughs> or in some cases yeah. at all so I know it's it's a very vague question but and I think it will differ from place to place and because we use free all our products are more or less fridge products we operate on a different um, platform than an ambient business or a, a clothing shoes boxed product business so I'm sorry but the best I can say is you just got to slug it out. And also, it's probably worth knowing because we did do this as well, utilise other businesses. So um, I worked with Juanita's Kitchen a bit, so we helped each other out. I helped her, she helped me. Um, and sometimes people are lucky enough to have family that will work for food. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Chocolate's so, usually a good one there, isn't it? Chocolate's probably the, the most attractive one. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll get free. Come and work yeah. in exchange for free chocolate. <laughs> so I wish that there was a, 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 an absolute steadfast calculation in regards to this or, or one, if there is, I, I didn't figure it out no I no that's cool that's that's helpful information so do you work directly with retailers rather than working with a distributor and if so why well now I occasionally work with retailers depending on what they want but mostly I work with distributors oh, okay um, and why well it got to the point where when you when you do it by yourself you've got it this is another thing you've got to calculate as well how much time are you going to be on the road dropping deliveries off to your retailers so when you're doing that, you can lose an entire day or a day and a half. And is that worth, if you want to factor in the return on investment there, your wage, theoretically, if, you, if you're actually getting paid <laughs> at that time, yeah. um, petrol, um, vehicle, um, yeah, tolls, all that sort of thing. And obviously the downtime from we're not actually making something. Or is it better to take a percentage out and get someone else to do the leg work for you, which right. means that you can get it in further areas. So there yeah. is a seesaw point 
where you can and you will feel it go, I need someone else to do this for me because I'm actually costing the business more money by doing it myself. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. I just want people to hear that, that sometimes when you try to do it all yourself, you think you're saving money, but as you've said, it can actually cost your business money. That's a really good point. Thank you for raising that. We we did, uh, well, I I did have a driver for a point period there as well, and he was, oh, a couple of drivers through the time, and they were fantastic, but then they were still limited to the distances that they wanted to travel as well. So I couldn't have my drivers driving out to... East Gippsland, yeah, and, and yeah, so like I said, uh, like the amount of money that potentially I could have been producing in goods or product was not occurring because I was out on the road wasting, well, not wasting, but initially it wasn't a waste of time, but in the end it was. Got it. Yeah, now that makes sense. Yeah, so brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Some good good tips and insight there. I love that. Now, you've recently, as we mentioned, you've opened a cheese manufacturing plant in Melbourne, um, which is very exciting. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. So why did you decide to actually open a, a manufacturing plant yourself rather than outsource the manufacturing? How did you go about it? And I'm, one, I'm curious whether you also produce or whether you plan to produce other vegan brands products um and just yeah what what the benefits are and and any challenges so that was a a long question wasn't it lots of things in there but just curious about the (laughs) tell us about the opening of the the factory (laughs) i can't even tell you how happy i am that we have this facility now and that um Andy Medic actually came and opened it for us. That was an absolute thrill. That's for international readers, just for international, not readers, international listeners. um, Andy Medic is um, a Victorian MP for the Animal Justice Party. Very smart guy, very passionate, doing some amazing things to make things better for animals. So, uh, oh, that's wonderful. He got along and did the cutting of the ribbon. <laughs> yes, it was all very lovely. Um, and my husband was saying, "You need to do this. You need to do this." But um, things cost money, and um, so financially, it was a factor. And I was very lucky that um, a family member actually helped co-contribute the initial startup that the started going in doing it. Sorry about that. In doing it, um, building it. My husband and I, we're quite, we're very handy. <laughs> We've built our house and so we oh, learned yeah. a few tricks in the trade. We did pretty much everything to save money. We put the walls up, we built the walls, we installed things. The only thing So did you build did, this from scratch or was it not an existing facility so and then you renovated found, it? Yes. So we found a, um, a, a building in a set of factories. Oh, okay. And... We and it took me over a year to find. So once I decided I was going to do this, it took me a year to find because ultimately to save a little bit of money, we needed a mezzanine of some size because um, structurally that would take the cost down a little. So we finally found this and and we put the walls in, we put the ceiling um, installed. The only thing we didn't do was because, you know, legally we're not supposed to, is the electricity and most of the plumbing and I had to get someone to do the floor. But everything okay. else, we, we did over many, many weekends. Wow. While well, still uh, running your existing uh, business. Wow. Yeah. Oh. yeah, there was some pretty big bags under my eyes. And, um, <laughs> and as, as the whole process started, I was started speaking with Unreal Co. 
and um, we've developed a. We've, and that's a plant based. So that's a plant based meat company um, here in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, and um, we've been working on and off for a couple of years, and they were looking at other options as well. And if it weren't so, and then they actually put in a contribution to get it done faster. So they basically bought time, which was great. And then we went, well, you know what, why don't we just contract manufacture your products, your small run products out of this facility? And um, that's pretty much where the funding come from. So we were very, very lucky. The timing just worked out well. Um, We got exceptional help from the council and it just all fell into place. So that's why that happened at that particular time. And what was the other part? Fantastic. Uh, so I'm just curious. So you're doing contract manufacturing for, for one particular company. Do you envisage yourself perhaps making other vegan cheese um, oh, yes. companies' products as well? And then yeah. obviously, you know, even though you're competing on the shelf, it's interesting because, uh, again, with this panel, Ken from Iku does that apparently. And also I know in the UK, Plamel, the chocolate company, make other vegan yeah. chocolate brands. And they sit on the shelf in quotes competing. But it's all, you know, great because it's it's kind of a, a win for everyone really. Well, I, I agree 100% with that. I mean, it, it, and it would also make more sense for smaller businesses that want to start up um, that don't have the facility to trial test runs through here and we could do that. Um, if there was a, a, a business that was being set up or was manufacturing out of, say, say Perth hypothetically, and they wanted to work together, then it would save on freight, time, um, manhandling hours for any distribution of their product to become out of this facility mm-hmm. into South Australia and Victoria and New South Wales because freight into and from Perth is quite horrible and similar to Queensland. That being said, we would not be opposed to doing any other states or even Victoria. Yeah. There were obviously need to have um, disclosure and confidentiality um, uh, agreements put in place which we're be very keen to be involved in mm-hmm. so we haven't actually done it yet with vegan cheese but abs organic foods actually makes a roast each well it's all it's always available all through the year but it predominantly stocks up and gets more run of it at christmas time and currently we are manufacturing for the Un- Un- unreal co brand a christmas roast for them oh nice Nice. So we are in direct competition, but we're not. Yeah, if you, like, exactly. Say, because yeah. just to add more options to the market, and I think one of the beautiful things that I've realised over my many, many, many years in retail is <laughs> you competition helps some products. Um, having two products on the shelf at the same time gives people the options. With they want one with the different ingredients, one with others, whether it's allergy yeah. or for whatever reason. Yeah. And if that wasn't the case, why do KFC, McDonald's, and Hungry Jacks yeah. always build Precisely. their facility? Yeah. So competition. And same with not the, and same with regular cheeses as well. Look at the amount of yeah. dairy cheeses there are, and it's like, yeah, now there's vegan cheeses, and then we need the more the merrier because everyone's got different palates and, like you say, different yeah. ingredients, Allergies. tastes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic. So, yeah, how so big I'd be is... very keen oh. to get that happen. And then, um, then theoretically, um, we'll, we'll outgrow this space and 
within two years we'll get a bigger facility and and let someone else use this setup for their nice. up and coming business. So how big is the facility, Melissa, and how many staff do you employ? So the facility as a whole is about 150 square metres. Okay. About 150 square metres, yeah, so, um, which is great. And currently I have five staff. Um, everyone's casual at the moment, so it's still at the cushioning feet trying to make sure that there's um, work for everyone in the different areas and everyone does different things. So we have a person that comes in and helps me cook or make or pack, then another person that does all the phone liaison. Oh, she's my phone liaison, so it sounds so much better than cold calling because I'm cold calling. <laughs> so my phone liaison does that. Um, someone helps with social media. Um, another person that's less frequently but still out there going into stores and doing tastings. So there's only a couple yes. of you actually making all this cheese and these yeah, products. Wow. Yeah, we're very, well, the thing is I like to operate lean mm. um, because it goes back to that whole everything's refrigerated and if you have a product that's refrigerated and you make too much of it and then you've got to store it, you're actually paying more money constantly in the storage. So right, right. to operate making just in time or very close to just in time is at this point for this business that could change down the future, who, who knows? But what if you got like a really big order, then you would have to, I guess, just bring another member of staff in even on a casual oh, yeah. basis. Yeah, okay, got it. Now that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Cool, fantastic. But yeah, two of us running it and we've been doing it for a while now, so we're pretty in tune, in sync with each other, um, which is great. Awesome. So tell us about the word vegan. This is a, I know this is a kind of a controversial topic, the use of the word vegan in your marketing materials and your website and, you know, the prominence of the word, you know, some people say, Oh no, call it, let's call it plant-based or plant something. And then others are like, no, we're going to put vegan, like slap bang on the front, full and center, proudly a vegan brand. Tell us a little bit about, cause I know you mentioned, you know, your markets are obviously different. Obviously some of your market are vegan, but then others, you know, in the allergy market or people wanting something, you know, healthier etc so tell us a little bit about your use of the word vegan or otherwise and why yeah it's very strategic <laughs> um, that has been a roller coaster of horribleness to be p- perfectly honest the business originally was called a vegan smiles so it was very there in your oh, face okay. this is a vegan product um, and I think that's what had People at the markets, they saw vegan and went, oh, I'm going to go up and yeah, be mean. give you a hard time. I don't know that that's their actual intention, but I'm going to go up and give her my point of view. And then, and when the product went into the retail stores, people were not buying it because it said vegan on it. Like, And so they, and I, when I do tasting, they're like, oh, but I'm not vegan, so this is not for me. Yes. Well, it's yeah. for everyone. <laughs> um, so I realised fairly early in the piece that firstly there were not enough vegan vegans but vegans in general were not my market really Um, interesting okay yeah so it took like six years ago it's definitely I think my archetypes need to be reassessed but um and uh allergies like I I was lucky as I my customers developed a lot of them back then were 
okay, I associate the word with vegan. My my grandson's got a dairy allergy. My granddaughter's just gone vegan or so forth and so on. So I, ch- I renamed the business to be AVS, organic food, so AVS being a vegan smiles. Oh, and a vegan smiles. <laughs> and, and a vegan smiles is actually oh, how arrogant is this that you can it's an anagram of my name <laughs> oh is it oh how clever yeah. no i like it i like it it's kind of you infused um, into the brand and your energy <laughs> and your passion is infused into the brand i think yeah. that's fun yeah okay. it's, it's kind of yeah it was kind of funny back then and then i went oh no people hate it so <laughs> we changed it, changed it to um the avs organic foods but i always always put the word vegan on there always and that's because this I think this is because I'm an ethical vegan maybe not because it was less of of a business strategy more of a I am vegan I want you to be vegan this is a vegan product yeah yeah. so I always had the word vegan on there but it was less in your face exactly yeah yeah gotcha now six years later we rebranded and we've put back onto the um brand the the label a vegan smiles oh you have oh okay yeah so now um it actually it has a little circle and the a vegan smiles part is actually in the shape of a smile so it looks like the logo's smiling at you so six years later i'm i'm proud to put that back on that's really good to know because i think and that is the case i think for businesses particularly those that have been around for a little while you know initially it was like oh no we're not gonna say it's vegan or if their market was predominantly vegans then they would lead with vegan um and then yeah. they might change it and tweak it and i think there's no you know, I always say to people look there's no right or wrong answer like it really depends on your yeah. mission and your values as a business and who yes, your market yeah. is sometimes it serves people to be stealth vegan like you know my partner tracy is a clinical hypnotherapist and naturopath you know it's only like there's one little line on the website tucked away somewhere that says and it doesn't even say vegan it just says we're a cruelty-free clinic and you know there's no animal products yeah. and that's it because then she had she gets people like sheep farmers and cattle farmers coming to see her they wouldn't come anywhere near if they you know saw vegan or even plant-based kind of thing so I think it just yeah it just it depends on the business so thank you for sharing that Mm. actually makes me laugh a bit because you're so right in that case especially for Tracy yeah in my case it actually attracted farmers yeah yeah exactly (laughs) it's funny you just never know yeah you've just (laughs) got to try it and see you know something you've literally just got to give something a a positive attraction no true true (laughs) so tell us about you you touched on some of your you said you've got a social media person so what current marketing strategies do you use and which do you find most effective Now, I'll, I'll preempt this by saying when I did my MBA, I actually, I was, it turns out I was quite good at doing assignments and uh, sitting exams. I never thought I would be, but I was very, very crap at marketing. <laughs> <laughs> not my, it's not my forte. Um, and so currently at the moment, um, we've got Holly who she does photography and, and posts up images and does meal inspirations. And this is not her background but she likes doing it and she's happy to do it. Um, we are working with a, an official marketing company at the moment for the launch in 2020, but it also is um, marketing, you need to have marketing. Marketing costs money. If I pay for the marketing now, can I buy that machine? So I always have been, and I wrongly or rightly, more often than not, chose 
ingredients or machinery over spending money on marketing, which, you know, you can't turn back time and retry it. It might have made a difference, but then I might not have been able to produce as efficiently as we produce now. It could be more cumbersome. So marketing, you have to have it. Um, I'm terrible at it. I need someone else to do it for me. The only thing we did realise, and I think I already mentioned this, is that we were marketing to the wrong people when we first started and um, the archetypes were changed pretty quickly to be allergy first and foremost, health conscious and then vegans. And I like to think six years later it's, been jumbled up and um, vegans have come a little bit more ahead of the line because there's so many of us now, which is yeah, brilliant. Yeah, for sure. But you also do in-person yeah. stuff still, don't you, like World Vegan Day Festival or, you know, you're, you're, sort of, you're still involved in that face-to-face, is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had a little break because of the build, the yeah. factory build this year. But um, I find that it, it does help too. And people like to have a good chat these days, especially new vegans or or someone who's got a new vegan in their family. It's a great opportunity to lay some hints and thoughts in their mind as well. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I hate to say I'm not a good, I'm not very good at marketing, and my <laughs> strategy is. But that's good. You've got someone in who who can do it, and I think that's important. Yeah. Um, just on the funding side, I know you mentioned long service leave, and again for international uh, listeners, that means when you've worked at a job for a certain amount of time, I think it's ten years, you get uh, a stack a stash of money. So I know you've, you've obviously, I guess, used partly that to fund the business, and then with the factory, I you've had someone co contribute. <laughs> so have you managed to yeah. sort of fund the business as it's gone a- along as well? Like I know you said you've operated quite leanly, so rather than having investors, you've kind of you know you basically self-funded and then kept yes. the business as sustainable as possible um is yeah that right? so every dollar pretty much um goes back into the business every, every dollar goes back into the business yeah. um procurement is a really big thing that people need to consider because if you if you can find a little bit of money up ahead to buy well look we don't use cashies that much but use cashies as a an example, but if you're only buying 10 kilos of uh, cashews at a time and you're paying $35 a kilo, but you could buy 100 kilos at $8. Oh, wow, that's, that's obviously a big difference, isn't it? Yeah. A big, big difference to your bottom line, but you've got to find that money in the first place. That's so right. just, it's, it's about managing and being a bit strategic of um, what you need and what you don't need to function um we've been very lucky that we haven't had to get any bank loans to this point um but yeah i think every now and again you just you just want to crawl up into the fetal position and go Where, what's happening why isn't anyone paying me on time will i get through this but uh it's a funny thing about being self-employed it's a it's a driver like nothing else you get up and, and you go through it so yeah um Having a distributor too is another thing to um, another a positive reason for having a distributor is you generally if you get a good one and, and you have a great trust relationship with them, you know you'll get paid on time. Yeah, yeah, so you, can, sure. you can see that. And um, we actually also do a little bit of food service um, as well, which helps, uh, which is on the side, which does help um, bring in a little bit of money there as well. Oh, so cool. Okay, it's so, a juggling. Yeah. It's a juggling act. I think most businesses juggle their cash flow um, 
We sure. just happen to do it very, very lean. <laughs> yeah. So just uh, to wrap up, what's your long-term vision for yourself and your brand? Because I'm curious because we're seeing more investors like vegan and vegan-friendly investors coming in, you know, to kind of scale up yeah. companies. And not everybody wants to have a massive company. I mean, you, we all have yeah, our impact in different ways. So I'm just curious, what do you see as, you know, you've obviously just recently opened the, the cheese manufacturing plant. So what's your long-term vision for both yourself and your brand? Well, with AVS Organic Foods, I'd love to keep that as an artisanal brand where it uh, it produces high-quality, um, good ingredient, happy allergy product. Um, just recently, I actually opened up a new business or started a new business, so this oh. will probably be moving forward, um, taking up the more of the time that I don't have, but uh, we've called it ethical manufacturing. <laughs> and um, that's where we'll probably do the contract manufacturing. That's where we'll build these business partnerships and associations with okay. other companies um, right. and potentially investors down the track to be able to produce a much bigger scale and, and get products out um out further reach than we can at the moment but my love is and and uh, stubbornly abs organic foods is my my baby business and i've had it for a while and so i'm kind of i get offered at least once a year for someone to buy it off me Do and, I'm you? Like, oh, I? and i'm like oh no not yeah, yet so, yeah <laughs> but moving forward i think we'll keep running that one as we are um and we'll obviously keep the brand that the products coming out of it fresh yeah but um the big scope in trying to get more vegan products out into the market and more options, whether it be foam meats, uh, cheese, chocolate or whatever you can think of, we'll definitely be working with partnerships. Oh, I love that. Forward. I think that's fantastic. I love that, you know, and, 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 you know, people do that, particularly in this space, when you've got a mission-based business, you know, a, a business with purpose, it makes so much sense um, to do that. But we need people like you who are, you know, who have been in that, you know, kind of home-based, market-based kind of um, startup. And now, you know, you've, you know, you've created this manufacturing plant and now you're able to help other startups and, and other, you know, and even other businesses who are quite set along the way. You know, I think everybody's, you know, not everyone wants to start their own contract manufacturing, uh, you know, their own manufacturing plant. So for you to be able to offer <laughs> that is, is fantastic. Yeah. So, but I think it's wonderful that you've done that. It's been great hearing about your your growth over just um, six years, which I think is brilliant. So uh, you've shared a lot yeah, of I've met, I've advice. I've been so lucky. I've met so many wonderful people. Fantastic. Well, you've shared some great advice and uh, it's been lovely um, speaking with you and I shall look forward to seeing you in person at some stage and trying even more of your amazing products. But thank you so much for joining me today, Melissa. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Katrina. Thanks so much for having me. Much appreciated. So that was Melissa Murphy-Webster from AVS Organic Foods. You can find out more at avsorganicfoods.com.au. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 135. Now for some vegan business news highlights. Handbags from vegan fashion brand Gunnus are now available at Macy's flagship store in Herald Square, New York City. Founder Sugand Agrawal, also based in New York, said her bags are the first vegan bags to be carried by the prestigious retailer. 
In 2018, Gunnus won the Best Independent Handbag Award out of 4,000 applications from designers across the globe at the Independent Handbag Designer Awards. Part of the prize was participation in Macy's annual business workshop at the Herald Square store, which the company uses to assess potential new brands to stock, as well as prepare the designers to work with big box retailers. Macy's was so impressed with Gunnus that it agreed to take a small collection in December last year, that's 2019 if you're listening in the future. And Agral hopes to expand the Macy's partnership through 2020 on a bigger scale. This is fantastic news. It's great to see renowned retailers like this recognize vegan and sustainable fashion and be willing to give independent vegan brands exposure to their customers. Let's hope that we see a lot more of this. And I think it's also worth pointing out why it's important to take part in things like awards, for example, or to apply to be part of accelerators, because that can really give you opportunities to get in front of influential people, such as retailers. As we saw with the experience of Gunas, they got in front of Macy's by taking part in the awards and, of course, winning them. And that then led to the business workshop where they were mentored and guided by the big retailer. And then, of course, had their vegan brand stocked at the company. So have a think about some of the creative ways that you might be able to get in front of large-scale retailers and influential partners this year. Trade show Plant-Based World Conference and Expo returns to New York City this year after a successful debut in 2019. Organised by JD Events, the Expo will also be making its European debut in October in London at the Business Design Centre. According to organisers, Plant-Based World Europe will be the only European B2B-focused event to bring together plant-based product producers and manufacturers with retailers, distributors, food service providers, restaurateurs, entrepreneurs, investors and healthcare professionals. The event will feature a community day on day two, which will provide access to the general public alongside the industry audiences. Now, I attended and reported on the inaugural event in New York last year, and I'm really excited to see PBW expand into Europe. You can find out details on how to attend or exhibit at plantbasedworldexpo.com and plantbasedworldeurope.com, respectively. And those links are on the show notes page for this episode at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 135. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.